0: so so, so. welcome to the speak up talk radio network home of the firebird book awards the positive change podcast awards and the authors on fire podcast i am pat rulo and today i am happy to share scott white the life is too short guy who is the happiest guy you will ever meet After spending over a decade in investment banking on Wall Street, he took a chance and became an entrepreneur and business builder. Today he is a chairman and CEO of a public real estate company, and he's always looking for his next challenge and has completed one Ironman triathlon and 15 marathons. Now Scott is on a mission to make the world happier, one smile at a time. With his endless energy, he motivates and inspires everyone he meets to focus on happiness gratefulness and positivity he is married to his high school sweetheart jen and together they are two of the most passionate rutgers sports fans in in the world that's a that's a big claim and we are going (laughs) to highlight his book today titled the life is too short guy strategies to make every day the best day ever obviously we have lots to talk about welcome to the network scott thank you so much for the invite it's a Pleasure to be here. (laughs) It is a pleasure to be here. The name, the life is too short, guy. There's a story behind that, so maybe explain that, and then we'll dig into your book.
1: Sure. So um, during COVID, I started working with a new executive coach, and during the first session we met, I I had done some assessments and filled out some questionnaires. And the second meeting, we get on the phone, and and I remember exactly. I said it to me. We, We hop on the call. I'm like, hey, good morning. How are you? And he starts with, dude. You are the life is too short guy. Like everything is about rah, rah, positive, get it done, get it done today. You're the life is too short guy. And I was like, I guess. And this was just a couple of years ago. I'm like, that's interesting. I never really thought of it that way. But yeah, that's a fair characterization. And then that night I mentioned it to my wife. and, And I'm very lucky to have been with my wife for a very long time. We've been together since high school. And she says to me, she's like, huh. You know, he always wanted to write a book. Maybe that's your book. You write a book called The Life is Too Short, Guy, and you talk a little bit about your philosophy. And, you know, I originally was like, ah, that's crazy. well, what would that book be about and who would care? And then, you know, in, in her own little way, she she had planted the seeds and then she watered those seeds and fertilized those seeds. And thus became what what is the book today, The Life is Too Short, Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever.
0: Oh, I love your wife. She's a good one. I do, too. She is a good one. She knows she knows how to get the best out of me. Oh, you know what? We all need that person, don't we?
1: No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It's... a big part of my story and, and my philosophy.
0: Absolutely. It's hard to go it alone and stay positive and upbeat without a cheerleader, um, someone to cheer you on, and then also to have somebody to cheer on yourself. So it's a real mutual, mutual relationship. All right. The life is too short, guys. So give us a look inside. There are 10 principles. If you, Do you have the book handy? Maybe just a rundown of the chapter list might give folks an idea of uh, what's in it. You might, even, you might have them all memorized, but just give us an idea of some of the chapter headings and then we'll dig a little deeper into some of them.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So the, the chapter headings follow the ten principles, and I'll walk you through the ten principles quickly, and then we can circle back on any that you want to. Okay. And you'll note as I read off the principles, they're very casual, very informal. When I wrote the book, I was was maniacal about keeping this a very approachable, casual, easy to read and understand book. This is not an academic book. This is not business book. The principles are broadly applicable, and I'll shoot through them right now, but this is day-to-day blocking and tackling. This is day-to-day living your best life and at home, at work, with your family, with your friends. So here we go, the 10 principles. The first one, the most important one, the one that, that is the thread you pull through the rest of the book is called Attitude is Everything, the Power of Positivity. Attitude is everything. The power of positivity is the first and, and most important underlying principle that ties to the second principle where I talk a little bit about some of the academic research. The second principle is called choose your attitude and own it. The first one, power of positivity. Second one, now you have the ability to choose your attitude, own it, go out in life and live it. The third one is little things make a big difference. And here, I actually give a lot of really small, easy tools, the kind of things that when you read or you hear, you're like, well, that's obvious, right? That's the whole point. The whole point is we can all do this with very little effort. That's that's what I want people to take away from the book. So little things make a big difference is, is chapter, the third principle. Four is minutes matter. We all grapple with and struggle with how we balance work and life and everything else. And By the way, I don't have some secret formula in here. What I ask people to do is I give some mental imagery and some, I'd say funny math to give people to uh, some things to think about around how they use their minutes. Minutes are finite. Think about how you use them. The fifth principle is called funny things are everywhere and it encourages and pushes people to laugh every day. Laugh at yourself, laugh at your situation, laugh at the world around you. Nothing is that serious and and here I give some, some personal stories of very difficult times in my life where I actually brought humor into, into the situation and I demonstrate funny things are everywhere. Uh, the sixth principle is learn, learn, learn. Every day is an opportunity to learn something new. Information is ubiquitous. It's free in most cases. It's around you. Engage it and learn something new every day. Uh, what do we have for the seventh principle is passion. So I hear a lot of people talk about purpose, and I think it's it's somewhat overused finding your purpose in life. And I think that people uh, spend a lot of time trying to figure out the purpose, their one purpose in life. When I say, think about it as passion. What gets you energized, excited, motivated? What gets the juices flowing? And by the way, your passions will change over the course of your life. You, you may be passionate about something for a day, a week, a month, a year. Find your passion and incorporate it into your daily life. Uh, the eighth one is take a chance and get it done today, and I emphasize today because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And I talk here about things like risk and fear and and some of the biggest regrets people have at the end of their life. Um, and by the way, one of those biggest regrets is, is the regret of what I didn't do. So take a chance and get it done today. The ninth principle, which we just talked about at the beginning, you actually really keyed me up on this one, so thank you. It's called "Can't Make It Alone," and I talk about uh, you know one we reflect on what happened during COVID when many of us were alone for the first time or in a confined space with limited social interaction and what that meant. And here I talk about an amazing, amazing uh, research study that's been ongoing for over 80 years, started at Harvard in the 1930s about what makes a good life and and the, the results are you can't make it alone. And the tenth and final principle is live today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Again, tomorrow's not guaranteed to make the most of today. It's all you got. Oh, Those are the 10
0: principles. I love every single one of them. I love minutes matter. When people waste my minutes is when I really feel uh, the most annoyed. You know, I don't tend to get annoyed yep. at all. But when people when I feel like people are wasting what I say, I say that all the time is like time is all we have. Um, and, yep. it, and if I'm wasting it, it kind of puts a little pressure on me, but I like that one because minutes do matter and we can't waste them because as you say, there's only so many of them.
1: So here I talk about, a. a as I mentioned before, I don't give people a formula for here's how to use your minutes best and, and you should decide to read instead of watch TV or you should spend time with your family instead of working. That's up to each individual person. That's not up to, to me or to someone else to tell you how to use your minutes. What I encourage people to do is is, and here is the math that I talked about, a little bit of funny math, I say, you know, generally speaking, rounding a little bit here, but you get the sense of the the scope of what I'm talking about, when you're born, you have a life expectancy plus or minus, plus or minus, about 80 years, okay? So at 80 years, when you're born, you have 42 million minutes in your life to to play with. I suspect, Pat, that not many of your listeners are newborns. (laughs) I'm going to just Make an assumption here for ease of math that most of your listeners are middle-aged. Let's just say 40 years old. Now, if you're a little bit older or younger, you could adjust the math on your own, but at 40 years old, you're halfway through those 42 million minutes. Now, you're down to 21 million minutes. Invariably, you're going to sleep about a third of them now. You're down to 14 million minutes. You take those 14 million minutes, and you realize that generally speaking, making a broad swath statement, as you get toward the later years in life, you're not as physically and mentally as active, and those minutes aren't as efficient and useful. So you probably, at 40 years old, have about 12 million minutes left in your life. Mm -hmm. How are you going to use them? And the mental image I give people to think about is, uh, I tell people, close your eyes and think about a barrel, right? That barrel could look like anything for me. It looks like a wine barrel, a big wine barrel. And in that wine barrel are are your remaining minutes. I envision gold coins. And every time I do something, including talking to you right now, I envision reaching into that barrel and grabbing out and holding up some gold coins, deliberately using gold coins because these are precious commodities in terms of my life. And the two takeaways from this analogy for people to think about are, one, you have no idea how many gold coins are in there. So everyone you pull out, you don't know how many more are left behind that. And number two, we all have a leak in the bottom of our barrel. We don't know how big that leak is, but one, we don't know how many minutes are in there. And two, sometimes we get to the end of the day, the week, the month, the year, and we're like, huh, I've been racing around. I got a long to do list. I got thousands of things to do, and I don't even know what I did. This is where I encourage people to be thoughtful, deliberate, proactive, decide how you use your minutes. Mm-hmm.
0: I love this. Yep, yep, yep. People always say to me, how do you get so much done? And I think it's because I'm mindful of those minutes. I'm not wasting them, but yet I'm enjoying them. So that's that's also the side piece as well. I love the funny things are everywhere because it's true. Even in the most desperate times, you can find a little shred of humor.
1: No doubt, no doubt. And look, we all have different senses of humor. So there isn't one common, like if I find it funny, someone else will find it funny. But here the point is, regardless of where you are, don't take yourself, the world around you, your situation too seriously. And I tell stories in here, one about uh, being at my own father's funeral, where I made a a crazy joke that something that had happened and everyone cracked up and it softened the tone of the room. Mm -hmm. Now look, it's still a tough situation and it's still... Uh, a very sad day. But funny things are everywhere. I tell another story in the book about um, someone who unfortunately had a, a three-year-old child who was diagnosed with cancer, and, and she survived for five years and one day. And, and technically, by cancer standards, she was a survivor. Unfortunately, she did die shortly after her eighth birthday. And, and he talks about in there how that fam- his family used humor throughout the process, little things, silly things about uh, his daughter laughing about losing her hair. His daughter laughing about waking up without clothes on. Find humor to soften the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, as we're speaking, um, Scott, I'm wondering: Are some people inherently more happy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so um, as I mentioned, I don't do a
1: lot of empirical data or research in here, but there is some empirical research that I that I cite in the book, uh, which is kind of interesting. So. If I were to say to you had new car, new house, new boat, new relationship, big race, okay? So so five wonderful things. Or unfortunately, maybe death or illness or divorce, really negative things. What what percent of your overall long term happiness do you think is predicted by the world around you? Those exogenous factors, that that big new house. What percent of your overall happiness do you think? Like?
0: Well, most people might say a big percentage. I personally would not.
1: Well, you are correct. You are correct. Most people do say, and when I speak, and I've been traveling around the country speaking, uh, people raise their hand. How about 90%, 80%? You'd be wow. amazed how many people say that. It's actually only 10%, and people are surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. The situation is only 10%. So now, answering your specific question, you said are certain people more predisposed, about 50% of your overall happiness is genetically encoded. Mm-hmm. So like your hair color, your eye color, your propensity for certain diseases, about 50% is your perspective on the world. However, when I say the beautiful thing about that is, all right, so 50% is is genetically coded, 10% is the world around you, 40% is entirely, entirely how you view the world, your perspective and your view on things. And if I were to say to you that in whatever you're doing in life, whether it's, it's, Work or a relationship or or uh, whatever it is, and I would say you uniquely have the ability to control forty percent of the outcomes. Boy, that's pretty powerful. How many situations do you have the ability to control forty percent of all the outcomes? And if you think about it, it's almost fifty percent because to a certain degree, you have the ability to control some of the world around you. I realize you can't control it all, but you know whether or not you're purchasing that new car, the new house, whatever the case may be you have some influence over that. So 40% of your overall long-term happiness is entirely within your purview and the lens through which you view the
0: world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We all have the ability to change our perspective at any given moment. No doubt. Yep. No doubt. Yep. Yep. And, and that kind of ties into your passion purpose. I think that's interesting as well, because people always talk about a purpose. But as you said, your passion, sometimes you're passionate about something for an hour or maybe a week, and then you find something new and you're passionate about that. Yeah,
1: so I think purpose just gets people too caught up in finding that one, mm-hmm. what is my purpose in life? And maybe that's not a, maybe that's okay. I don't focus on that. What I tell people is, and ties actually to minutes matter, is you have a finite number of minutes. Spend them doing things you're passionate about. Am I passionate? I mean, finding things that really excite you. I don't mean like, oh, you know, what do you like to do? You know. So I've interviewed hundreds, maybe thousands of people over the course of my career, across the spectrum of of junior entry-level people, up to C-suite executives, up to board members. And I always ask the same question. I say, what is your passion? And it's amazing to me how often people look at me and say, I'd say 80-plus percent of the time, people will be like, um... You know, what do you mean like professionally or personally and I, I say it doesn't matter that's the point the point is what your passion could be your job that's okay there's no judgment around what your passion is maybe your passion passion is your job maybe your passion is reading maybe your passion is a TV show maybe your passion is a hobby maybe your passion is a religion maybe your, it, it doesn't matter what it is find something that really excites you and go all in on it don't be a superficial sort of, oh, what do you like to do with your free time? Oh, I like to hang out with my friends, I like to play golf. Okay, fine.
0: Do you really like
1: to play golf? Commit to golf. Play more often. Take lessons. Get clubs. Buy magazines. Join affinity groups. Commit to, to whatever it is. And by the way, after a year or two, you may say, Ah, hey, you know what? I'm not as passionate about golf anymore. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Cut the time. Move on. Do something else. Maybe it becomes more of a passive hobby. But we all need a passion or two or three. You know, hard for me to say how many people have asked me how many passions should we have. I don't know the answer to that, but there should be something. So what I would say to your listeners right now is if someone were to, you know, you're standing in line or you're, you're, you meet somebody on the street and, and you start strike up a conversation and they look at you and say, so what's your passion? You should be able to answer that like that in, in a heartbeat without any thought. Oh, right now I am really passionate about boom. And once you open that up, like for me, it's this book. It's spreading its happiness. You ask me, I'll tell me a little bit about your book. You're going to have to cut me off after an hour because I can't stop talking. I'm that
0: excited and passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can. You can hear it in your voice. What about, there might be a handful of naysayers that say, well, okay, this is great. I'm passionate about, say, writing, but I have four children and a spouse and I work a full-time job. Uh, tell me how I'm supposed to insert that passion into my life.
1: So uh, I'd say a couple things. One, it gets back to Minutes Matter and how you decide to to allocate your minutes and emphasize your minutes. If you have a passion, you find time for it and you cut out things. We all do things, no matter how busy we are, and we're all busy, right? Every It's rare you meet somebody that doesn't tell you. So how are things? Oh, I'm so busy. So busy just means that, that I'm doing a lot of different things, and here's how I'm allocating my time. So that person that you just said has four children and maybe two jobs and whatever the case may be, how do they find time to write? they got to self-reflect and realize where are they spending their time. And and look, this is a judgment call. I'm not making the judgment. If you're so passionate about writing, maybe you spend a little bit of time writing and a little bit less time with the children right now. I'm not saying for the rest of your life. If that's what energizes and excites you, you find ways to allocate some minutes. And by the way, it may not be a massive amount of minutes. So when you say, all right, I have a passion for writing, but I'm so busy I can't find time – I challenge you and say, you can't find 10 minutes. You can't find 15 minutes. Maybe you could wake up 10 minutes earlier. Maybe you can skip that television show at night. Maybe you can uh, spend a little bit less time doing something you're doing right now to find 10 minutes. If you find 10 minutes a day, that's an hour plus a week. You find an hour plus a week. At the end of the year, you have found 50 hours. You've now committed two full days, 24 hours a day, 48 hours, 50 hours to writing. That's how you find ways to, to find your passion. I realize... They're outliers. Look, I'm not going to be judgmental and and I'm sure someone's listening and and has a very unique situation. They're they're dealing with uh, whatever it may be, a sick family member, working multiple jobs, unemployment, whatever the case may be. I realize they're outliers, but for the vast majority of of the world, Mm -hmm. we could find a few minutes to chase our passions.
0: Right, right. And that takes us to chapter, back to chapter three little things make a difference. So just that short amount of time can actually make a big difference.
1: So there's so many little, little, little things. And when I say them, people are like, really? I mean, that's it. You, 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 you tell me to smile. Yes, smile. Say, there's one. Let me just lead with smile. And, and right now as people are listening to this, often when I say smile, I pause. I go, smile. And I leave it silent for a couple seconds. And it's amazing to me. With 90 plus percent probability, during that, that few seconds of silence, mm-hmm. whomever I'm talking to, and sometimes it's a large audience, you can see the smiles yeah. trickle across the crowd. Right. And I say to people, now think about it for a minute. Do you feel better than you did 10 seconds ago? Smile more often. It sounds crazy, right? You're like, all right, how is this going to change my life? All right, I challenge your listeners right now, smile right now. And when you get home from work today, smile again. And when you get in bed tonight, smile again. When you wake up tomorrow morning, smile. When you're at the breakfast table, smile. And when you get in your car, smile. And get to the office, smile. You find ways to smile more often, which has been proven to to evoke certain chemical releases in the brain when we smile, make ourselves happier. And equally important, it has a ripple effect, and those around us feel better. So smiling is one of those little things that make a big difference. Random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you performed a random act of kindness for a stranger? And In the book, I I detail some random acts of kindness I have both given and received. And and I refer to a study which was really fascinating, a, a study released last year in 2022 that talked about the recipient of a random act of kindness appreciates that random act substantially more than the giver believed they would. Mm-hmm. Think about how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. Think about how, how we can change the world and make the world happier one smile at a time with a random act of kindness. The so smiling, random acts of kindness, whistling, singing, celebrating. These are all simple little things that make a big difference. And I detail all this in the book.
0: Oh, so, so good. I love smiling because that is a random act of kindness, especially these days. Everybody's a little bit uptight, uh, about the world and life and situations. And you could just see how disarmed people are when, you know, you open up a door and you smile at them and that you can almost see the shock on their face. But then you know, there's aftershocks. And I just love the whole anonymity of that because you have no idea the repercussions of that smile that once they walk out of the building, they still see it and remember it and it makes them feel good. But yet you don't know that. And that's kind of a gift for both parties. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well
0: said. Oh, this is so good. We could talk all day.
1: <laughs> I told you, once you get me started, you got to cut me off. <laughs> I don't want to do
0: that. Oh my gosh. Alrighty. righty. Oh, the life is too short guy. You are awesome. What's next? What are you working on next? I know you're really working on this book. Are there any other thoughts percolating book wise or any other projects on the horizon? So right now
1: I am um, doing two things. One, I'm really trying to spread this message. I think it's one thing to put it in a book. It's another to spread it broadly from spending time on podcasts and radio and TV appearances and really trying to get out and speak to organizations. So I'm investing a lot of time and energy right now traveling the country and uh, appearing at conferences, um, at companies, at organization events. This is a, a very powerful message that Applicable broadly. Mm-hmm. So speaking right now is, is probably my primary focus. And then I am percolating a, a second book behind this with similar themes. I think there's a couple of different ways of, of attacking or, or of portraying these things. I think they're so vitally important. Mm-hmm. And the more I could broaden my audience, the better because look, these principles, as we just went through them and you listen to them, they're so broadly applicable. They're, they're applicable by age. They're applicable by, by geography, they're applicable uh, across different religions. They're applicable broadly. Meeting with corporations, with sales teams, with HR teams, with conferences, um, to spread this message. That's really where my energy is now. The, the message is we all have the ability to live a happier, more fulfilling life. We all control our own destiny. And today is your day. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make today the best day ever. Go out, and, and it, it takes so little to be deliberate to be thoughtful to be proactive to live a happier life. Make today the best day ever. Go to sleep, wake up tomorrow and make it a little bit better.
0: Absolutely. Take a chance and get it done today, right? That's it. Got it. All right. Well, if you would share your contact information where folks can find more about you and get copies of your book.
1: Sure, it's the easiest way is to go directly to my website lifeis2shortguy.com. That's life is to dot shortguycom and there you can learn more about the book my speaking platform uh, sign up for my newsletter so on and so forth so life dot shortguycom is the best way to find me
0: excellent you know Scott we need more of you so get out there and share the word so other folks can get out and start sharing the word and we can create a happier world you know one book at a time one conversation at a time it's really not difficult but your book just puts it all together, 10 easy steps. You've got reflective questions at the ends of each chapter. Yeah, just so so many reasons for everybody to get a copy of this book. This would be a great holiday gift, a birthday gift. It's just, as we said, applicable to just about everyone. So thank you so much for your enthusiasm, for taking the time to write this book. Thank your wife for being who she is and helping you out. And uh, let's stay in touch and do more once you get your next book out.
1: Thank you so much, Pat. It really was a pleasure to appear on your show today.